All right, so my goal for the day is to go down a black diamond. <laughs> and I don't know what that means, but that's what I want to do. Wait, what does that mean? Like, is black diamond like the hard one? And, um, and what's, what do they call it? It's like Poe or something? Fresh Poe? Pow. Pow, okay. Powder. Nar, nar pow? What's nar pow? This is gnarly. Oh. Nar pow. Is gnarly like good? Yes, or ironically. Nar pow. I hope there's nar pow. I actually, I hope to injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> From New Hampshire Public Radio, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. And today, I took two of my coworkers who had never skied before, and I tried to convince them that skiing is something that would be for them. Did I succeed? Um, remains to be seen. Kind of? Kind of. So I'm joined here in the studio by one of those two coworkers who's never skied before. This is Maureen McMurray. Hello, Sam. So how did we, how did we get on this? Where did this start? It was my question. I, I had the question. I, I think I was just passing by one day and I was like, Sam, when did skiing get fancy? Right. With the underlying assumption there that skiing is fancy now. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it always seemed fancy to me. I've never been skiing. Yeah. So, so you never skied as a kid? No. I grew up in Massachusetts near a ski mountain. Never skied, though. Um, and I guess just because I was, you know, youngest of four kids, grew up in like a mill town. My parents didn't have money. And it just, I always thought it was for fancy kids, for like private school kids. Hmm. Well, so I i went to public school. Um, and every year, all through the month of February, there was like a program where everyone at school would go skiing every Friday. And that's how I thats how I first did it was, was through the school. And we'd get like cheap tickets and you'd get cheap rentals and I bought my first snowboard with like babysitting money, and that's how I got into it. And I, I don't. Am I fancy? I don't think I'm fancy. I don't think you're fancy, although you are wearing an Eddie Bauer vest right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not only me too. I mean, Jimmy had never skied, and um, you know, I realized he's not even here. So let me go get him. I, I'll allow Jimmy to speak for himself. Just a moment. Jimmy, Jimmy, oh. can you come here for a second? Yeah. Hey, team. What's up? So, hey, wait, so Jimmy, you had never been skiing before? I had never been skiing before, no. Wait, why not? Um, it's just, it's not a thing that was a possibility, I guess. Like, growing up in an urban area, there's not much skiing that happens. But Milwaukee is pretty flat, too, so I don't have access to, like, mountains or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's just not a thing. Did you think it was fancy? Oh, most definitely. I mean, the pictures, I think when I think of people skiing... I think of like either a lot of white people in the Olympics or I think of Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> and they're super fancy. That's Aspen, right? That's super fancy. So that's it. That's all I've got. That's my baseline. And I felt like I had to convince you. Like, you know, skiing isn't necessarily fancy. You can do it for, an, you know, a reasonable amount of money if you do it the right way. Yeah. So we threw that challenge out to you. We're like, all right, Sam, prove it to us. Yeah. And uh, our first stop, Loon Mountain. <laughs> in the sort of southern white mountains of New Hampshire was probably not the right choice. Oh, look, they're skiing. <laughs> Do I have to go down that thing? Well, I mean, you, you got to go down one black diamond, right? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah, what's the, what's the deal with Loon Mountain? I mean, we drove up there. It seemed like it was a, 
kind of fancy. Yeah, so it was founded 1966 by former governor of New Hampshire, Sherman Adams, chief of staff to Dwight Eisenhower, and was famously the abominable no man. You know, oh. he said no to everybody so they could never get in a, a, a meeting with Eisenhower. And it, at the beginning, it definitely wasn't fancy. It had 12 trails, two chairlifts, one bathroom. That's basically all it was. Um, but over the years, I mean, it's gotten, it's grown to be probably the biggest resort in New Hampshire. So, so yeah, we went to the fanciest place in the state. So what do you what do you see? Okay, the tickets for an adult for the day are eighty five dollars. So it costs eighty five dollars. So if a family of four wanted to come up here, it'd be we'd be way plus two hundred bucks. Well, we're the group lesson, right? Group, group lesson, lesson, lift ticket, and rental equipment. So that's Jimmy. So there's your all in number, two hundred bucks for a lesson, rental, and ticket. <laughs> okay, so Maureen, first impressions. When we went into the rental shop, it was like all this weird equipment felt totally out of place. And uh, yeah, it seemed like people were speaking a different language about stuff I, I didn't know about. Uh, do me a favor and just sign in over here. Yeah. Skier type? It's, you got a little description right here. That's what skier type is. Skier type two. What's that? No, I'm skier type three. An aggressive skier? An aggressive skier, blue and black trails. Preferred ski length, 200. <laughs> <laughs> I need signatures from all of you, please. What are we What are we agreeing to? Um, you can read the whole thing if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> it probably says that whole skiing is a dangerous sport thing. <laughs> Has anyone ever died here? I've been here a little over two months. I don't know. Okay, so you haven't heard any stories? No, I haven't. How you feeling? I didn't feel too confident in her inability to answer my question about has anyone ever died up here. The answer is yes, someone has died on this mountain. Almost certainly. Well, you are set to uh, tear up the mountain. Have a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, y'all. Going skiing. Oh, hey. Hey, how are you? How are you? Right. This is their first time skiing. Your first time skiing? Their first time skiing. Oh, okay. Where are you guys from? Argentina, Chile? Argentina, yeah. Chile. Yeah. Muy bien. Muy bien. <laughs> you know, this is Spanish. So any, any words of advice for these two? Any advice? Don't fall. Don't fall. Take it one turn at a time. This is the first part. Don't have fear. Don't fear. Don't have fear. Just, just pull, push, balance. That's it. Yeah. Ready? I'm ready. Easy to say. Hard to do. So, Maureen, <laughs> were you scared? Oh, wait, they have a toe. Um, let's just say I was happy that we were starting on the bunny hill. You just walk right onto it like an escalator. Oh, my God, it's going so fast. Hey! Okay, so the typical way that people teach you how to ski is you start, and the first time down, oh my God. you're snow plowing the whole time, and you just do little snow plow turns. Yeah. Where, and you turn by just, like, putting more pressure on oh one God. leg or more pressure on the other leg. But it's all very intuitive. You'll figure it out just naturally. Um, <laughs> okay, Sam, can we just stop right there? Yeah. You, I have to admit, you, you are not the best uh, ski instructor. I quickly realized when we got to the top of the bunny hill. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There you go, there you go, there oh you go. God, oh, my God, oh, pizza, my God. Pizza, 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 pizza. Push your heels out, push your heels out, push your heels out. <laughs> I realized that you, your instructions were kind of vague. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I don't know how to slow down. 
I realized after this that I have never actually taken a lesson. Uh, so I like didn't even I like didn't even have a concept of how I was supposed to teach. Well, it's like if you throw someone into a deep end and you're like, oh, it's just intuitive. Oh my god. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, just you know, use your arms, feel the balance. It works for Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? Oh my god, Jimmy's a natural. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh, Jimmy is such a show off. Oh my god. Can slow down. I can't slow down. Oh god. <laughs> There's a reason why people should learn when they're young, um, because you don't have that fear. Uh, Jimmy's going off a jump. Jimmy apparently is still a child at heart. He's like Tom Hanks and big or something. Do you, uh, do you find some narpal over there? I got some narpal. It's in my butt crack right now. <laughs> Jimmy was ridiculous. <laughs> totally out of control. <sighs> and I felt like, um, I don't know, the ugly stepchild or something. Fish out of water. Fish out of water, yeah. Just felt like adult. <laughs> bigger, 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 bigger. Push in. There you go, there you go, there you go. Oh my god, wait. Oh my god. Okay. I'm too slow. I'm too slow. Ah! <laughs> I was genuinely part angry and part humiliated. The thing that was interesting is how how disheartening it was for you. I mean, and I think that's the big difference between kids and adults because kids, they're they're there's a lot of things that are new for them and they're kind of used to failing constantly. Um, and so I wasn't prepared for how hard you were going to take it. I will say that. My, my ego definitely took a, took a hit, which, I mean, for the record, in retrospect, is good. But at the moment, it was, um, it felt awful. Real bad. So, so how you guys feeling? How are you feeling about your experience here? I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Mo, how are you feeling? Uh, I wouldn't say it was fun. I feel like I have to do it again. Um, and I don't know why I feel compelled to do it again. But I found it to be incredibly frustrating. So, do you think you would do this if it weren't for? having a radio store that you're working on? No. 
I can, no. I'll take it a step further. No. I don't think I'll ever do this again. Wait, no, Jimmy, you're a natural. That's no. such a shame. Okay, let's think about this. How much time do we spend skiing? And how much time do we spend getting ready, paying for everything, moving around? It's a lot longer. I'd pass. But you're so good at it. Huh. Wait, why, why, just too much, too much rigmarole? Too much rigmarole. I'm sorry, I have a cookie in my mouth. This is my apart ski. Apres ski. Apres ski. There's too much rigmarole, whatever that means. And, I mean, if it's, like, price-wise, like, value-wise, would I ever do again? I don't, I just can't, I don't think I would. But... I don't know. I, I'm still curious to go to a place that maybe isn't as high maintenance, that's cheaper, and that's closer to where we live. I mean, it's a possibility. All right. So I failed with Loon, but little did you guys know, I had another trick up my sleeve. So many surprises. <laughs> so... You guys ready for skiing round two? Round two? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm feeling I had a few days to recover and um I'm ready to hit the slopes again. Actually ready? Or like you're putting on a brave face for the radio? A little brave face, but I want to try it again. Jimmy? Yeah, it should be fun. Are we going somewhere different this time, please? <laughs> We're going to a place called Veterans Memorial Recreation Area, which if it sounds down home. <laughs> It, it does. is. Yeah. Uh, it's a little ski hill in the town of Franklin, New Hampshire, which is an old struggling mill town. Um, it was founded by like a local doctor who had a big family and it was getting really expensive to bring all his kids up to go skiing at, you know, Waterville, one of the other ski areas in New Hampshire. And so instead, they just found a little slope in town. And there's just like there's a rope tow and a T bar and uh, it's operated by volunteers. And that's about it. Wait, what's a. Uh... What are those two? What's our T-bar? I think I know what a rope tow is. You had said it's like just a, a rope on the side of a hill that people just grab onto and it yanks you up. Yeah. What's a T-bar? A T-bar is it's like a chairlift, except instead of instead of like a cable with a chair hanging off it, it's just a cable with a handle hanging off the bottom of it. And you, you put them behind your knees and it just sort of pulls you up the hill. You kind of ski uphill and then ski down. Too. Oh, okay. I was imagining like holding onto the bar and being airborne. <laughs> like a hand flyer. Okay, so you just sort of lean on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of sits behind your, your thighs. And it's all volunteers who run it. You know, they, they pay the lift operators, but only because the state requires them to. And it's just like a way for people to get on snow for not much money. Is this like a carnival situation? Like when growing up, my mom, if we went by one, she was like, if it's set up in a parking lot, we were not allowed to go on any of the rides. Is this a similar situation? Is it safe? Is that the question? Are there carnies there? Yes. Is it safe? <laughs> is it safe? I don't want to characterize the people there before I meet them. <laughs> I got to say, the carny idea has really got me excited. Okay, I'm in to skiing now. I'm sold. Talk to Maureen and Jimmy maybe five minutes ago, maybe ten. I don't know. Somewhere in between five and ten minutes ago, and they said they're three minutes away and they're not here yet. Oh, oh, I think 
think uh, they're calling me. Hey, I just put you on speakerphone. Okay, yeah, we're we 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 turned around. I don't I don't know. Um, so the day we drove there, it was snowing. It was like one of it was one of the first huge snowstorms in New Hampshire, which is great for skiing, terrible for driving. Oh no! Look, I see. <laughs> What did you think when you pulled in? What'd you, when you got to the place, what did, like, your impression? When we, we pulled up to the place, it was, um, you know, definitely off of a pretty uh, rural road. Pulled in, small parking lot, and there was just this, like, it was a little log. In my mind, I remember it as a log cabin. I don't think it, it was. It wasn't. And then I could see that thing that you would describe, the T-bar. I could see that in the distance. In the parking lot, there was... Um, there were two cars parked side by side. One had a Bernie sticker and one had a Trump sticker. So I felt like it really embodied the like, you know. New Hampshire. Yeah, like New Hampshire purple. I was like, okay, I can get down with this. And then we walked inside to the lodge. Hi. How are you? I'm well. And your so heart grew three sizes. It really was. I did feel like the, the Grinch. I just walked in and it was like, <sighs> and then we met Kathy. Oh, Kathy. Can you tell me, tell me your name on tape? Oh, sure. Kathy Fuller. And how? what's to say on your business card? Kathy Fuller, you know, matriarch of Franklin Memorial. <laughs> I grew up here at Franklin. <laughs> uh, actually, I am still the treasurer of the Franklin Outing Club. I make sure their uh, bills are paid. <laughs> so this is Maureen and Jimmy. Okay. So you They're have the a... novices. This is good. You've got, there's a couple of other kids out there, high school kids. You're going to yeah. learn. But the snow's great. They're, they're going slow, and it's good. Okay. It looks amazing. This is like exactly what we wanted. This is exactly what I imagined in my, my dreams of what a ski lodge is. I love this. Well, this is, this, I mean, it, it was started in 1961 by a group of World War II vets. My dad was one of them, one of the local doctors. It's all owned, the land is owned by the city of Franklin, so they gave us the lease. The Franklin Outing Club has a 100-year lease for a dollar. And so we operate it. One dollar for the for a hundred year lease. We rely on natural snow. That's an issue. That's an issue. This snow is gold to us right now. I haven't seen this many people here in a few weeks now since we opened up on ice. I, I, I think one of the one of the questions that these guys have is sort of like, is skiing a sport that's just for people with money? Absolutely not. Uh, like you'll meet the high school kids out here. Literally, the French teacher bought their $20 ticket for the day. Their ski equipment was free because we gave it out of our donation room. We could find something for you so you don't have to rent the next time, you know? You are selling me on skiing right now. Fun. A day like today, because plenty of pow, as my grandson said, it's all about the pow. The nar pow. Fired up? I'm excited. I am. My, my mood's done a 180, for sure. Oh my gosh, Maureen. A hamburger is less than $3 here. No, I was looking at Apre Ski, and I'm getting very excited. It's like, okay, and this is another question I have, is when did these little ski areas start popping up? So I heard about this from a guy named Jeremy Davis. Yep, yep. So I'm Jeremy Davis. I'm the founder of the New England and Northeast uh, Lost Ski Areas Project. Uh, And he goes around finding closed down ski areas all over the Northeast and just documenting like, oh, hey, there used to be 
a little rope tow in this backyard. They were a very common type of ski lift in the 1930s and, and even for several decades thereafter because they were relatively easy to construct. And uh, a lot of people just put them up in their fields. If they were farmers, for instance, during the winter months, they could make some extra money on the side by running a little rope tow. Um, during the winter months, um, and a lot of community groups built ski areas, a lot of ski clubs built uh, these rope toes, and they really spread like wildfire all across the uh, the northeast in New England um, in the 1930s and 1940s. And so how many, and when you say spread like wildfire, I mean, how many are we talking about? Yeah, so there would have been hundreds and hundreds of rope toes. So if you look back and cr- across the entire length of history and for ski areas across New England, um, going all the way from the mid-1930s to today, you know, certainly five or six hundred rope toes would be a good estimate, if not even more than that. I mean, I, I'm just trying to imagine, if, and those are probably concentrated in certain spots. So if like if you're in a mountainous area of New England, there's probably one really close to you. Oh, yes. And, that, and that's what's really, uh, you know, incredible about the whole thing is that, um, you know, you look at uh, the the sheer volume of these number of places and they were pretty much everywhere um, at that time. were in some towns even had five or six of them a few few different places and it's I think it's really hard for people to to realize how many of these places there were because right now there's about if you look at all the different types of ski areas that are open in New England today everything from privately owned rope toes to major resorts uh, including some private ski areas mixed in there as well there's about 110 um, uh, ski areas that have a lift that are operating in New England right now. So I think that there were six times that number, uh, looking at it, that have uh, essentially closed. It's a really huge number, and I've tried to help kind of wrap my head around you know, how many places there would be and how amazing it would be if all those places were still open. Jesus, that's incredible. Right? So if... The 30s and the 40s were the golden era of these like inexpensive, accessible mini ski areas. The decline started right after that, and there were a lot of reasons. There was World War II. You had the draft. Um, you had wartime restrictions on gasoline. Um, you had travel restrictions. You had the interstate highway system, which made it easier to travel to get to the bigger and the better mountains. Then you had you know increasing competition, which led to this sort of need to keep up with the Joneses. And if you can't invest in new lifts, new snowmaking and grooming, especially nowadays, it's very tough for some of these places to uh, continue to operate. And rising expenses. The insurance costs can be sometimes more than their entire year's profits. And let's not forget the rise of the American vacation. Travel became cheaper. People could afford to travel to Florida, head to Disney World, take a cruise, whatever. Oh, okay. So that's how skiing got fancy. Yeah. And of course, I mean, the thing that gets us now is that it keeps getting so warm in the winter. You know, we have uh, uh, lots of extremes year to year in terms of our climate here in, in New England. And just a few years ago, we had a tremendously snowy and cold winter. And then last year, we had barely any snow. And then this year, we've had some fits and starts, but it hasn't been all that great, except for a few places. And we've had this long January thaw for the last few weeks. Okay, so how was your ski lesson? It was amazing. Look at her go! Oh, Kathy, she was my ski instructor, and she was everything that I wanted. She's a grandmother, she's patient, she's kind, she's not you. Go, Mo! Bless your heart, Sam, you really tried. (laughs) 
She was so patient. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. Scared, but She's good. doing fine. But also, I think, immediately understood that the most important thing when you're a beginner is confidence. It was the worst thing in the world you can do with a beginning skier yes. is take him to a top of the hill and say, go. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> I'm still scared. They're very nice. I'm still scared of going fast, but I'm so, good. I didn't fall. I think you would like the rope toe. Okay. And everyone should have a kind grandmother teach them to ski. Okay, I'm going to go up the rope toe and I'm going to meet you guys at the top of that lift. All right. We'll show you how it's done when we, when we get up there, buddy. Sounds good. So I was having an amazing time, and it looked like you and Jimmy were having a blast, too. Yeah, there was really good snow that day. Oh, yeah, this is better. Oh, this is the good stuff. Look at Sam Evans Brown. Shred the gnar power, bro. Shred it, bro. Ready for this? Oh, shit. <laughs> Definitely missing a ski. Definitely missing a ski. Can we go to the top? Yeah, dude. You want it? Heck yeah, man. Oh. It's super, Sam, I'm all about this place. It's family, it's not like price gouging capitalism, it's good pow. When it's good. When it's good, yeah, exactly, that's the thing. So what, you know, they said what, last year they couldn't? They didn't open it all. They didn't open it all. Yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, like, a place like this, without natural snow, cannot exist. Yeah. It can't. They just don't. Like, and, and just imagine if they tried to install snow making. Like, you know, minimum a couple hundred thousand dollars onto their budget. That's crazy. McMurray, ladies and gentlemen. She's going side to side, slowing herself down and everything. Oh, she's got it, she's got it. She's getting speed. Oh, I did it. Oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> I felt like I was going kind of fast. You were going so fast. Okay. She's very fit. You looked good. You looked good. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm going to leave on a high note. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, can I confess something? You've known how to ski the whole time. <laughs> it was all a ruse. <laughs> no, no. Uh, working on this story was the first time that I really felt... Not, I mean, I believe that climate change is real, but that I felt it was real. Really? Yeah, and, and you may not even remember this, but it was when we were driving home. Uh, basically, it's just like air and water. And we were talking that's about that's how expensive snowmaking is, and you were you know, like, getting into the price of the machines know, and blah, 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 and resorts. The mountains have to invest all this money to sort of just like keep up with the Joneses because of climate change. And, and you started to say some things about the future of skiing in New Hampshire that I, I, I just can't stop thinking about. You, I mean, are you, as someone who loves to ski, it's like part of who you are, are you concerned about it around here? So like, like within the next 10 years, do you think we're going to see a difference? Uh, we, we already see, like if you're skiing yeah. every day, you've already seen a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've got this, this thought of like, of like, what will it be like to be someone who writes things 
after there's like no more snow in the place that I live anymore and like it, it feels like it feels like I'm I'm like preparing to write a eulogy um but yeah no it, it I, I don't know like you study study climate enough and you come to realize how how much of a guess everything is so like I don't know what the date is that that like I'm gonna give up on skiing but but I, I don't buy skis anymore I'm like, why would I buy new skis? I'm not going to be able to use them. And I, I mean, 10 years is probably like a reasonable guess. 10 years, reasonable guess, there's no more skiing. Right here. That's fucking crazy. I just moved here. <laughs> God damn it. I was planning on teaching my daughter how to ski. That's super sad. Jesus. Go skiing. Yeah. She's got heavy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to see a moose so bad. I had a dream last night that I saw a moose. What are t okay, ask Sam. Are ticks good for anything? Things eat them, I guess. Chickens eat them. I don't know. I don't know. Chickens eat all sorts of stuff. Outside In was produced this week by Maureen McMurray with help from me, Sam Evans-Brown, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Taylor Quimby. Molly Donahue was our digital dynamo. Special thanks to Loon Mountain and to the Franklin Outing Club, who both let us ski for free in this story. Our theme music was made by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Outside In is now accepting applications for alpine ski instructors. You just gotta, you gotta stop harder. It's steeper, so you gotta stop harder. <laughs> <laughs> so va- what does that mean? I mean, it's true, you do have to stop harder. Okay, we have an assignment. It's hard to believe, but some people still don't get podcasts. Either they don't listen or they don't even know how to download one, and we want you to help to change that. So, think about someone you really care about. What are their interests? What are their hobbies? Now, think about a podcast you think they'd love. Got it? Okay, now tell them about it, in real life or in social media, and if they don't know how to listen, show them how. All right, go forth and spread the good audio. Oh, and tell us what you recommended with the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y pod. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.